So this is the last evening. Tomorrow is the uh, closing ceremony. And so you contemplate all that begins, ends. I always like to, I always like to contemplate the, what I call contemplation, the, the beginning, beginning of retreat, you're looking, you have all these two weeks ahead, and now, with it, what is it, it's now, it's nearly finished. The, the two weeks have passed, and the, that feeling of ending, and then separating, so we came together two weeks ago, and it's tomorrow separates. And this this sense of uh, contemplating this the or the flow of life in this way uh, coming together uh, means that we'll separate. And that's how the birth because of birth then we'll die. The beginning uh, always has an ending, and the conditioned realm is impermanent like this. So you can contemplate this. The beginning of something always has this sense of a future, you know, something that will happen. Now it's past, isn't it? The retreat has is now, most of it is a memory uh, of the past and the sense of ending is like this. It's different in a different, different mental state than the than the perception of beginning. Noticing these things, you keep contemplating the, just the, this, uh, the way it is, so that you, you, you have insight, you keep doing it. You know, like they, it's like with uh, meditation, it's like a, a rat chewing through a wall. You just keep Chewing, chewing, chewing till you get through. You've got to keep at it, and not, you know, not in a compulsive way, but but just keep going. They like going forth. They talk about bapacha, when somebody goes forth, then. Um, it's like the sense of going forth and you keep going, you don't look back. And then there's stories about people looking back and then they, like the Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, the, the woman looks back and turns into a pillar of salt. And so there's a lot of pillars of salt around. <laughs> Which means, uh, probably what that means, I'm not quite sure, but it just sounds like you get stuck. and can't move on. So you keep, you know, longing for the past or looking looking back. But the uh, the sense of going on, going forth, and just keep going. Now this, this is an attitude, isn't it? Because there's a lot of difficulties in this path. It's uh, full, of, full of pitfalls, of obstructions, of challenges. And you just keep going. I remember reading Herman Hesse's novel years ago called Journey to the East. And uh, always impressed me, this novel, because, you know, it starts out, the, 
the HH, the Herman Hesse calls it here, HH. So I don't know if he's referring to himself, but uh, HH, you know, is going on this journey to the East and, it, and it's full of inspiration. And he's uh, really enthusiastic, you know, and his, and his company, it's kind of a timeless journey because, you know, it's in the present, but yet he's, he's accompanied by such great people as, as Goethe and, and Beethoven, people like this. And you've got, you know, he brings in all these kind of people of the past, famous people of the past, and it has this timeless sense of... Uh, being surrounded by the very best, you know, the kind of inspired lot of, of geniuses and really interesting, fascinating type people, and they're all, they're all dedicated to this journey. And then, and uh, the early stages are this bill on this enthusiasm and inspiration. And then, then uh, as the journey proceeds, you know, they, they have these uh, interesting experiences and, and. Uh, and it keeps getting kind of more kind of interesting, and people are are still very enthusiastic. And then uh, they go through this this uh, place called uh, the Valley of what is it, Morbidio Inferiore, and uh, you know what's going to happen there. Uh, <laughs> 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 and uh, and they have this servant uh, called Leo, who's kind of a faithful servant that does all the, uh, he's the dog's body of the group, you know, he's not like Beethoven or Goethe or anything like that, he's, he's, uh, he's, he's just the kind of, you know, the bloke that just cleans up the messes and arranges the tickets on the train and, and uh, makes sure that the tea is hot. And uh, anyway, then they quite praise Leo, the kind of, he's a very faithful, you know, kind of patronizing way that you look down on somebody of lower class and a good servant, a good man, you know, gets the tea on time and dedicated, you can count on him. And then in the Valley of Morbidio Inferiore, you know, suddenly they, they start, uh, everybody gets uh, suspicious. People start leaving the journey and uh, they get disillusioned, they go, they go away and then then H.H. starts getting very suspicious of this servant, you know. You can see things that, you know, aren't quite right about Leo. And, and so finally H.H. realizes, you know, this, he's wasting his time going on this journey. So he, he leaves it. And he goes off, goes back home and gets a job and does things like 20, 30 years later. You know, his life isn't really amounted to anything, and he's, he's, uh, you know, old now, and he's, and he keeps romantically thinking, you know, I'd, I'd like to, uh, you know, what I really want to do the rest of my life is write the history of this journey to the East that ended, you know, the journey that I was on, and, and that ended, but it was, you know, quite interesting, and I'd, if I could get the records, I, I would like to write the history. So, anyway, sitting in the, public park and suddenly sees uh, Leo, you know, walking the dog in the park. And, and he goes up and he says, do you remember me? And Leo looks at H.H. and doesn't quite, he says, you know, I was, I'm H.H. and we were together on the journey to the east. And, and then Leo remembers him and, and uh, 
and A.J. says, whatever happened, you know, uh, uh, because when the journey ended, and, and I'd like to be the historian and write, the, you know, write a book about the journey, do you know where I could find out more uh, about the, you know, if there are any records or any information available? So Leo says, well, I can, I'll take you to the kind of headquarters. And he says, you mean the journey's still, still in operation? He says, yeah, it never, it never stops. Just because you quit doesn't mean that. <laughs> so then, so then they, uh, Leo takes him to to the journey to the east headquarters, and there, uh, you know, he he suddenly realized Leo is the kind of the, the head man, you know, <laughs> the the quiet voice behind the the glamour and all the scenes and and uh, realizes that the conceit, you know, of, of the human mind, you know, thinking that, that, that the journey had ended because he, he became disillusioned. And so this, this is, uh, you know, one sees this in, in one's own practice and in just the, the life of the Sangha here in England, you know, they get enthusiastic, inspired, and then those drop out, disillusioned, uh, respect the, the servant Leo and all the rest and uh, <laughs> but the journey is is uh, you know it's an eternal one it's it's not something dependent on individuals or 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 a particular group so this is like keep going you know uh, the the uh, valleys of morbidio inferiori are are the times where you really uh, have to, you know, develop uh, strength, and when you really, when things are falling apart and 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 the inspiration's gone, then it takes something else, and it takes a kind of determination and a, and patience and various virtues that that uh, you you can't develop when you're when everything's going well and you're inspired and enthusiastic. And with meditation, you know, some th- these these periods, dry periods, uh, plateaus, uh, if deserts, and valleys of morbidio and fiori are, you know, can be seen also as mental states, and, and that uh, this also is the journey you know, to to keep with the way it is even when the way it is, is not very nice. In integrating practice into daily life, that's another challenge. Because uh, we, oftentimes we associate uh, our insights with a particular method of meditation or or a, or a style, a lifestyle of some sort, uh, and so w- we can think that because uh, we can't be um, you can't be a monk or a nun, and and uh, you have to leave the retreat, then somehow the meditation stops, or or it isn't as good. You know, if you go home and you can't really meditate as well as you did here on this retreat. Uh, but the 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 ongoing, the going forth, and the kind of continuous uh, 
reflection, if that's what you're feeling, observe that as a mental state. You know, about how you're choosing. You think one place is better than another and you can meditate better here than there. And just keep trusting in your ability to just uh, be aware of the, the, the way you tend to, what you create into your mind. And then, then the emotions say, but you can, you know, really get concentrated and peaceful, uh, Amravati, but when I go back to London, uh, it all falls apart. But falling apart is also meditation. See? So it, it's, uh, it's not, you know, you, you prefer tranquility, kind of collectedness, calm, peace. Falling apart is, uh, you know, you don't want that. But, but if that's what's happening, then be mindful of that rather than, than uh, frightened or disillusioned or creating, making it into more of a problem than, than just the uh, experience as it is in the present. This takes, uh, you know, a determination to aditana, to one of the baramitas is called aditana baramita, translated as determined. And so, like, to make a determination isn't, uh, isn't based on a, on a kind of, uh, I'm going to do it no matter what, but it's, it's, a kind of, it's a, an intention, an, an intention uh, that, that helps you, that it can, reminds you when, when you lose the enthusiasm or, the, or you feel you've lost the way or you feel uh, everything is falling apart is the intention to, to keep using what's happening for the path. Like you're talking about the guiding star, you're going in that direction, but you've got to be aware of what's in front of you. So, so that you're not, you know, as you're looking up at the star, you 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 walk off the cliff. You've got to be, you've got to be with the, you know, the terrain that you're in, which, um, you know, isn't going to always isn't going to be inspiring like the star is. But, but it's where you, you, uh, you. If this is what you're, you know, where you, what's present, what's happening, then this is you keep going, and you'll find. Uh, through wisdom, uh, through your intelligence, ability to get through these various obstructions or difficult patches. And it does take a strong determination because, you know, sometimes you just feel like giving up or, or uh, you know, just stopping here or we see some some other path that looks more attractive. So I like to think of, I've thought of the, the Sangha vehicle, or the, the Buddha Dhamma Sangha is like a, like a train, you know, you kind of get on it, on the train, and then, then it's going along the countryside, and you look out the window and you see something, oh, I'd like to go over there, but you're on the train, so you can't, can't very well get off, you keep going until you get to the destination. And, but on the train you will, find, you know, looking out the windows you'll see, you know, very interesting other options of possibilities. But you're in a vehicle that keeps going, so you just, just keep, keep uh, going. 
don't get off the train, as uh, the ex-Tanavaro once said, (laughs) just before he disrobed. (laughs) (laughs) I notice when when monks, when they're about ready to disrobe, oftentimes they come and say, I want to take lifetime vows. I remember when I was, uh, I, uh, years ago, and I was, uh, I was in university in the early years, and I, and I was brought up as a Christian, though, in the first, you know, the first year of university, kind of, was, um, my mother, my mother said, if you go to that university, you know, it's very worldly, and, it, and, and you'll lose your faith. Because the United States, the universities, state universities are are not religious. You can't can't teach religion. So my mother was worried about it. She wanted me to go to a Christian university, which I wouldn't do. I wouldn't go to. (laughs) And she was right. I lost my (laughs) 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 So so then... uh, I got kind of panicked because I thought, no, well, uh, you know, I've got to, I better. So I decided then, after I I kind of realized I was, it was all going away, I decided I'd I'd, I'd ask the bishop uh, to become a a kind of postulant for the priesthood. So I went to the bishop in Seattle and and he said, uh, and I was in, first year I've been studying in, this Far Eastern Institute at the University of Washington. I was very fascinated by Chinese culture, and so, so I was, I was quite interested. I had a lot of enthusiasm for this program. Uh, but then uh, the bishop said, "Well, I don't think that's very useful. You know, if you're going to become a priest, so um, uh, I suggest you change your major subject to something else." I changed it to history, and then I then I became a Sunday school teacher at the church, and uh, and I tried desperately, desperately to keep to to get back this faith. But uh, I hated teaching Sunday school, and eventually, I, I it just everything collapsed, and my life fell apart, and I went into the military. <laughs> So that determined to become a priest was a kind of like, you know, lifetime vow then just before it all collapses. And then with uh, in in Buddhism the faith arose uh in, when I was in the military. So actually when when I like in the uh, time in the US Navy, uh I feel quite grateful to it. Because uh it was uh, certainly uh, a time where the, the, uh, this, uh, I discovered Buddhism. Because I didn't discover it when I was studying Chinese at the university. <laughs> and uh, well, I did discover it in the, in the Navy. And so this was, um, um, this was, uh, you feel it, you know, I felt a strong 
uh, kind of a powerful trust. Uh, something it's so strong when I was about 21 years old that I, that it's never, you know, I've never really had any desire to do anything else. After that, you know, just uh, Buddhism was the only, only thing I really could ever sustain any interest in. So, so that's just just my experience. But uh, but being a Buddhist and uh, like being a Buddhist monk, it uh, I've never really had any desire to disrobe either. But a lot of times, it, you know, it really the. So I've never never felt desire to leave the monastic life, but I felt desire to to get away from certain places that I'm in. <laughs> and uh, because uh, because sometimes you find you you know all kinds of difficulties in in uh, uh, situations with people or places. Uh, and uh, occasions, but this uh, then then the the uh, way of using these difficulties, how to turn an, uh, an obstacle into a make it into path knowledge. You know this takes wisdom. And how to use what seemingly a hopeless situation for meditation, because. Sometimes you do feel, you know, that, you know, when when things aren't going well, and and uh, you feel it's hopeless, or you feel yourself hopeless, or that this this obstruction's so big, uh, maybe you know, the, you can't you, you you can't do it, you can't get over it in this lifetime, or you know, you you, will, you can feel totally despairing. totally despairing. Uh, and when you're in despair, of course, it all seems hopeless. But then, you say, what is hopelessness like? To really feel everything's utterly hopeless. Uh, so you turn, you, you pay attention to what you're feeling rather than, than uh, just going along with it, believing it. So you you keep using this, you know, like like um, mindfulness is really turning the light, putting the light on the present. If the present you're feeling total despair and hopelessness, and then you look at that. That's that's if that's what you're feeling now. That's that's the, the that's the it's still on the path, isn't it? You're still going in the right direction. This is just what happens to be in your way. So it's not like an you know, you've gone off the path. It's just how you, you know, whether you really see this and uh, and see how to to get past this particular difficult bit. And of course, that takes uh, this determination, and, uh, and you have to use wisdom, sati mindfulness, wisdom to to uh, to be able to you know get through diff- certain things, certain puzzling situations, certain mazes and things that occur dead seeming like dead ends or cul-de-sacs 
So all this kind of thing is here or in the bottom of a pit or in the valley of morbidio inferiore. <laughs> and then you sometimes you have peak moments. You get on mountain tops and beautiful sunsets and inspired moments, fascinating friends, you meet famous people, you meet, you know, inspired, uh, enlightened masters, you feel, and, and all that. But then uh, also you've got to be mindful of that, not get just, just dazzled by the, by the heights and the glamour and the fame and the, and the beauty of it all. Because this, this, uh, Mindfulness is, is seeing things as they are, the impermanent nature of conditioned phenomena of experience. So we can, we can get high and inspired, we can just, you know, get so, you know, this is absolutely wonderful, this Buddhist monastic life, it's just absolutely wonderful, you know, I love it. I'm going to devote the rest of my life. Uh, and Lung Pacha, when you get like that, Lung Pacha say, be careful. Rawang. So you kind of bring you down too when, you, when you're getting, you know, climbing the heights of, in, of inspiration. Because it's, it's the middle way, which is in terms of our experience here and now. And uh, with that awareness and it's it's not and and that awareness that where things are seen for what they are so all conditions you know whether it's negative or positive they all have the same characteristics of impermanence anicca dukkha anatta even even the the inspiration, attachment to insp- inspiration is suffering. Because inspiration isn't something that, 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 that uh, has any, you know, it goes, it reaches a peak, then, then it goes down. I mean, it, it, it has, you know, it's very nice, and it kind of maybe is the catalyst that gets you going, but, but as, a, as a vehicle, it, it, it won't, you won't survive if that's what you're depending on. And I was in graduate school, I met this woman, a uh, fellow student, and she'd been married six times. And so I said, been married six, divorce, uh, married six times and divorced six times. You think you'd have learned after the first two? <laughs> she said, uh, well, she says, I, I just love that romantic feeling. <laughs> And when that goes, then, you know, I want to have it again. Because you can't have it with the same person. (laughs) You've got to find somebody new. It's like having, you know, trying to just hang on to to kind of youthful inspiration. So that, uh, you just keep trying, you know, you have to end up uh, kind of doing, repeating the same thing. It doesn't work after a while, does it? You know, it's just, you, you, you can't, you know, it doesn't, just by trying to, to always have that kind of romantic experience, after a while, I, there's no way it's going to happen. 
become a cynic. So, and, and the same with inspiration. If that's what you're depending on, after a while, it, it won't it won't work anymore. Uh, so, sometimes people will go around from one religion to another, like like in California, for example, they call it spiritual supermarket, because you've got, you know, millions of varieties there all in front of you. <laughs> Monday night, it's the yoga group. Tuesday night, it's the it's the uh, codependent uh, group. Uh, uh, Wednesday night, it's the Vipassana. Thursday night, it's the Zen. <laughs> and Friday night, it's the Sufi. <laughs> so you can always have, you know, you, you can kind of keep, you know, going from one interesting thing to another. Uh, but then that, you know, that just wears you out because you never really develop <laughs> anything. So it's a matter of of, of this determination. And, and it's through these, these uh, uh, through that kind of uh, going through the difficulties that you really, you know, you mature, you gain confidence, you develop patience, uh, and you and you and you're developing, cultivating the way. You keep, you keep, and you keep go going forth. Keep going onward. So in, like I found in, uh, uh, no matter what's happening, uh, at least I can be aware of, of how I'm feeling. So. I, it like bringing attention to to your heart or to your gut, just what you're feeling, you know, without, uh, you know, trying to to stop just making judgments or thinking because you, you know, that there's something wrong with you for feeling the way you're feeling. But whatever way you're feeling, this is you know, just by uh, acknowledging it. Uh, and and uh, and and accepting it for what it is, and 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 reflecting on it, it's like this. So despair feels like this. Uh, disappointment is like this. Grief is like this. And so you keep keep uh, keep learning from from these experiences and these states, rather than th- seeing them as. Uh, the things that obstruct your journey and that uh, prevent you from from uh, getting what you want. This realm, this human realm, is like this, isn't it? It's a, it, it is something very, it's very irritating and frustrating, anyway, even if you're not on a spiritual journey. And so, this is. Uh, this realm that we're we're experiencing now, just contemplate it in terms, not not as a personal, putting it in personal terms, but it is it is you know the experience of unsatisfactoriness of dukkha. So that you, because things are always changing, and every time, even when everything's going right, it changes. Uh, it, you can't, you can't, whatever you're attached to, you lose eventually. 
And so, this and this this uh, sense realm is a realm of continuous flux and movement. So, this awareness puts us in that aware a position of attention to the changingness of experience. See, it's different than if we're looking at the the quality of the experience, whether it's good or bad, pleasant or painful. Then we then we you know, then of course we have preferences. We want the pleasure and the, and the, the goodness and the best uh, of, of this realm, and we don't want the other. But in terms of the path, the life for, for all of us is going to be mixtures of different combinations, mixtures of pleasure and pain and good and bad, success and failure. So, so we're watching the, the this emphasis on anicca, or impermanence, is what it means is really learning to look at the flow of experience, seeing that you know, whatever the quality might be, it's 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 uh, it's impermanent. It's uh, it's flowing. It's changing. It's movement. Begins and ends. Then in the so I found this helpful. To, this emphasis on anicca that the Buddha made, because I do get, I get, you know, I get so, the, the impact of the quality of experience is so strong. You know, the impact of beauty or ugliness or praise or blame is very strong. So, you know, it kind of, you know, you know, shocks you or dazzles you or, or, inspires you or or upsets you whatever the well, on the condition level so you you always feel you know emotionally one is it, it can go up and down all the time with the with the qualities that one is experiencing but in the middle way is the way of mindfulness where the emphasis is on the 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 encouragement they in vipassana is seen Rupang anichang, vedana anicca, is that all the forms are impermanent, feeling is impermanent, perception is impermanent, mental formations are impermanent, consciousness is impermanent, sape sankarani all conditions are impermanent. And this is this isn't just a, you know to be believed in, but it's a, it's pointing to a way of a contemplating, noticing the way it is. The reflection on time that I that I often give, I find, by really, by using that a lot, you know, what is the past right now, in terms of experience, because experience is always now. Yeah, you, know, you can only experience now. You don't. The future is is hasn't happened yet. It's the unknown. The past, if you you know, you can remember the past, so you can, you have a memory, but it's a memory is always now, arising, ceasing, in the present. So this helps you to break down your conditioned views and and beliefs and attachments to the worldly perceptions of time as being reality. 
And that's very important because time is, is uh, something that we, you know, we're firmly convinced is reality. And, and the, the society operates on that assumption, time is real. But in terms of experience, here and now, what is it? There's only the now, isn't it? There's consciousness, awareness, now. And so the past, yesterday, what is it now? Oh, I can remember yesterday, things that happened yesterday. Tomorrow is the end of the retreat. So tomorrow we'll meet five thirty, same as ever, and then we'll have the go through the have breakfast, then the uh, we'll do the chanting, the sprinkling, then <laughs> all that. Then that'll be the end tomorrow. So future, you know, tomorrow we 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 know it's going to end tomorrow, but we don't really know, is it? We assume it's going to end tomorrow because it hasn't ended yet. So, so it, you know, in the present moment, tomorrow, the end of the retreat is still, you know, the unknown. We can assume assumption is, is you know, is the function of the mind in the present. Speculate, and kind of we can feel quite certain it's definitely going to end tomorrow, but. The, that certainty is ba- is a mental state we're creating in the present. So you keep keep noticing this, rather than than committing yourself to um, to uh, time as reality. Then, as you do this, you begin to realize the timeless, the eternal present. The here and now. To apprehend the point of intersection of the timeless with time is the occupation of the saints. T.S. Eliot. Apprehend the point of intersection between the timeless and time. That's, that, that, I always loved that image because that's the way it is. This right now is a, is a point of intersection, here and now, the conscious, the consciousness that I'm experiencing now, the physical body, which is time condition, isn't it? It was born, it'll die, it will die, it was born. Right now, this is the way it is. It's sitting here like this. So it's the kind of the point of intersection. This is a, a time, time condition, the timeless. Then, how do we, the point of intersection, to apprehend the point of intersection of the timeless with time is what we do when we're being mindful. Because then, it is the gate to the deathless. The that point in the present in which we begin to uh, understand things as they are, where wisdom arises, where we, where we break through the illusions of our cultural conditioning 
illusions uh, of our personality, our self-views, all these are then seen in terms of conditions arising and ceasing rather than assuming that this is that the, my memories and my body and, and my history and, and my emotions are kind of permanently me. That's what the personality view does, isn't it? See, you know, I'm permanently me. You know, because I was born, I've always been me from the time I was born up to the present. I will be me till I die. And, uh, you know, I'm this, this person. But in terms of direct experience, what is it? Is there a person? Or what is that? You know, and then, you, then you begin to look and observe and realize the personality view is conditioned. A lot of my personality is, is based on, you know, on assumptions, on distortions, on misinformation, on ignorance. I was glad to know that, actually, because Because I used to wonder, you know, why, you know, I think, I think used to, where was I when the, when the really good personalities were being passed out? <laughs> <laughs> Am I one of those kind of eight balls, you know, you, you know, when God's passing out the goodies, you're standing behind the door, you're in the loo, you miss out on it. That's how I used to feel, it was disadvantaged in some way. I was relieved to find out that, that, it, that, it, uh, that everybody has that problem. Nobody thinks their personality is, is the best. You know, they, nobody's got a, a personality that's, uh, that they feel is totally adequate and they're completely in, satisfied with and happy about. You know? That a personality is conditioned out of ignorance a belief in a kind of permanent person, on attitudes uh, based in, in a cultural context that are that come out of avicca, ignorance of Dhamma, not out of understanding Dhamma. The, so, so to realize the the personality you know, is a, is a changing thing. Is a, for me it was a relief. Then the question, well, what am I then if I'm not Ajahn Sumedho and I'm not a person, I'm not a, uh, Ajahn Chah says, you're not even a male, not even a man, I'm not a male, <laughs> not a female, not a woman. Uh, I'm an American. <laughs> no, no, not even that. <laughs> so all these things fall apart. Then what am I? Buddhist? Even that one falls away. So then uh, you realize, uh, you know, the, in, in mindfulness and wisdom, you're not, you don't need to know who you are, you're just aware of what you're not. <laughs> That's what anatta means, you know. You're not the body, you're not the feelings, the perceptions, the mental formations, consciousness. You're not the objects of your senses, you know, you're not, this is not mine. Uh, or, 
you know, I'm not a, a memory, memories are not what I am. Emotions are not what I am, even though emotions say they are you, but they're always changing and they, you know, they, they're very ephemeral, uncertain, unstable things to, to kind of hold as being really what you are as your emotions, isn't it? They go up and down and all over the place. So, so, to, but that which is aware, isn't it, is that awareness, that point of intersection of the timeless with time, that you can trust. So in the refuge, see, that is the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha. Then in terms of, of, of contemplating the present, like we've been doing on this retreat, this, uh, the, post, the body, you're not just saying the body's not self and dismissing it. That's not, that's not investigating experience, is it? You just, the Buddha said, body's not self. Body's not self, I believe it, dismiss it. That's not it. You don't, you don't go around believing Buddha's, Buddha's teaching. But you, you, you investigate, so you examine, you know, what this physical body, and you're looking at it like we've been doing in a, with an intuitive awareness, not through, not through some kind of uh, analysis, but through awareness of it as experience in the present. And I remember, you know, the convention is that your, your mind is in your head, isn't it, in the West your mind is up here, your brain. In Asia, and they, they where's your mind? They point to their hearts. <laughs> and in Europe, they say, it's up here. We, we're, very, we're, we're very much identified with brains. Yeah, that's the highest achievement, isn't it? They call, I remember in America, you, know, you call somebody who was very intelligent, saying they're, they're a real brain. <laughs> that was even a compliment at one time. She's got a really good brain. <laughs> Bad heart, but a good brain. <laughs> and, then, and then when you get into more heartfelt things, you like the sweetheart. And you don't say sweet brain, do you? <laughs> My sweetheart, and he's talking about feeling. And but the, the, but the, say, my cultural perception was the mind was, was my brain. And uh, then uh, living in Asia, then I began to, my mind is my heart. And, and then one, one still perceived that the mind was somehow inside the body. But when you really recognize intuition, then you realize the body is in the mind. Because you, when you are uh, contemplating the body in the present, it's in the mind. It's not the body's not contemplating anything, is it? So there, there's this, this sense of the the mind contemplating the body, so that the feel you feel after a while the body is 
is, is the mind is is the thing that that is here out here, and that this this body is in the mind rather than in the brain. Or, or the the mind isn't the brain. So the, then this sense of a mind being pervading, or you know, like it's not something that is that isn't just uh, some some kind of uh, function, uh, neurological function, but something that is <coughs> universal, eternal. It gets more like that. You think more, you know, unlimited rather than just the the nerves in the brain. Then, then I find that this body becomes more like, it be, for me now, the body's more like a radio or something. It's like a receptive instrument. Picks up things. So, you, you, know, you know, so you're born, so, so there's birth, uh, and then it's, it's like we're all kind of conscious beings in the unit, conscious entities, uh, and we're receptive, receptors. We're, we, if it's the, the universe around us impinges, we feel, the, you know, the, the things that, that contact this form. So that it's more like a radio rather than a, than a person, a kind of permanent solar person. And then we all have our own karma. So how we, you know, how we interpret experience varies. You know, cultural differences, uh, and um, and the way women tend to interpret life and men interpret life or Asian or European or different generations or old people or young people uh, ethnic uh, conditioning but when you when you get into awareness you <coughs> that that awareness that pure awareness isn't conditioned by culture or ethnic uh, conditioning it is pure it has no 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 uh, no quality that that is conditioned by any culture and so it's transcending uh, these these differences that we identify with as it being male or female or being European or Asian then um, so wisdom Satipanya bring us to a, a a pure state of awareness where the conditioning process can be uh, we can have perspective on it. Whatever it is, it's impermanent and it's not self. It's anicca, it's dukkha, anatta. Not many people know this. Because we, the identities are very, you know, real for most people. The, they fight over them. They'll, they'll, they'll die for, for some kind of political identity or some ideal or some kind of ethnic identity. It's a way Northern Ireland is a, such a difficult place because people are so attached to to their identity as being Ulster Unionists or Irish Catholics or whatever. So, you know, these are 
these aren't ultimately real, these are conditioned. You know, you're not born as an Irish Catholic. After you're born, then your mother tells you you are an Irish Catholic. <laughs> so, I mean, so that's, that's, that's condition, isn't it? Cultural condition. Mm-hmm. So the, the, uh, the, the, the way one uh, uh, sees the world around changes through meditation. Uh, and, and it, you know, and it, because one is uh, is investigating. We're not just operating from cultural biases or even religious bias. Like Buddhism is pointing. You know, it's not. It's not trying to. We're not trying to become Buddhists. You know, with Buddhist ideas and and identifying uh, ourselves as we're Buddhists as being the kind of where we're coming from. Buddhist teachings are pointing to experience here and now to to investigate experience so that we're we're not just uh, you know trying to just change our costume and and uh, change uniforms uh, and and just become Buddhists that you know uh, it's like changing your clothes isn't it if you're just adopting Buddhist ideas and Buddhist identity. But, I mean, that, you know, that's fine too if that's all you want to do. But if you, if you want to, want to uh, if you really, uh, you know, understand or have some intuitive appreciation for Buddhist teaching, then it's, it's much more profound than just the identities with the institutions and the conventions that we call Buddhist. Because it's taking us to uh, uh, awareness, to enlightenment, to seeing clearly the truth of the way it is, uh, the Dhamma, the truth of the way it is. And then, how many of us want find that frustrating? Because we want truth defined. Okay, what way is it? You know, the, you know, people write. You know, enormous volumes of philosophy, speculating about the nature of truth and reality. <coughs> so it can go on and on and on because it the, and it gets increasingly complicated. <coughs> Trying to read Heidegger and <laughs> people like that, <laughs> and just. So I mean, it's kind of brilliant in its own way, but uh, in the in the in the end, what happens is you don't really, you know, you don't really know after you finish the book. <laughs> so, so <laughs> maybe you might know more about Heidegger, <laughs> but the the. Uh, but meditation then is is a is where well you you are knowing the way it is. It's direct knowing. It's, it's wisdom. 
is not knowing about Buddhism, but it's knowing Dhamma, the truth of the way it is. And the Buddha gave these these ways of, you know, kind of his own brilliant approach was that all conditions are impermanent. All Dhamma is not self. There is the condition and there is the unconditioned. Ati bhikkhuay ajatang aputang akatang asankatang. There are bhikkhus. There is bhikkhus. The un born, uncreated, unoriginated, uncompounded. And then, and then that, so the Buddha's making this statement, there is, and that, that's, that's quite uh, a wonderful thing, isn't it? Because, uh, and the way he puts it, isn't in terms of anthropomorphic uh, or mythical, mythological terminology is quite scientific in a way, uncreated, you know, unborn, ajatang, and then uh, uncreated, unoriginated, uncompounded. So, but that this negation of conditions, isn't it? Because the born, the created, the originated, the compounded are conditioned phenomena. The body's born, it's created. It's compounded. Uh, feeling, you know, the Vedana is is that way. And perception or sanya, sankara, these are all about the born, the the created, the originated, the compounded. But he, the Buddha is pointing to the unborn and uncreated. So, in terms of our experience, you know, because we're so identified, so stuck into a belief system around the, the born, the created, as being me, mine, reality, and so forth. That vipassana is the, is the means that Buddha used to investigate, to break down this illusion. Because when you really look, you know, when you really contemplate experience, you can't find anything that has any real permanent quality, no real essence or substance that has that has any lasting quality. The body seems to be, you know, it has more kind of substance, seemingly permanent substance than say feeling does or perception. But um, but it's always changing too. So I mean, uh, you know, my, if, or you know, people like become very materialistic because you know if you buy gold or something, you know, it's, it seems a little more permanent than other things. And that gold is, is a, you know, it's metal and it's valuable. So it gives you a sense of you know maybe maybe. Maybe just uh, my refuge will be in gold, <laughs> but that's that's pathetic, isn't it? It's uh, it's uh, that that isn't isn't a very good refuge, is it? And also, and people steal it, and it <laughs> it's hard to carry it around and 
you gotta you gotta spend a lot of time putting it in vaults and you pay rent on the vaults and these kind of and then you know people rob banks and 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 systems are corrupt and they cheat you and it's oh it's just endless headache you know, property isn't it owning property is a pain you know it's really awful to be a property owner so so this this is even though property seems like a good investment, kind of solid. But in terms of investigating, you realize that the the, the, the ephemeralness uh, uh, of, of the conditioned realm. So in the unconditioned, the unborn, uncompounded now. And uh, this is the point of intersection of the timeless of time, where it's the it's the 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 point between the the conditioned and the unconditioned in that with awareness awareness then the as you see the cessation in your mind this is a mental experience because this is what we can work with in the present it's mental conditions that have arisen and ceased in the mind and when you, when you, and then the cessation, the third noble truth, the niroda satcha, then, then you real, you realize that the the deathless, the unconditioned, because then more and more you you're aware of the, of the, uh, of the deathless reality, the realization of nibbana. Now there is the unborn ati bhikkhuve ajatang aputang akatang asankatang there is then then the Buddha says um, and because there is the unborn uncreated unoriginated uncompounded there is escape from the born the originate the created the born the the uh, originated the compounded there is an escape from it so I mean this is if there was not if there was no unborn uncreated unoriginated uncompounded there would be no escape from the, the from the this realm of death, and that you just be, you just go through it over and over again. Just this so tedious process, birth and death, and ignorance and feeling, without any any escape at all. It's like a eternal cycle of that goes on and on tediously, repeating the same things over and over again. But because there is the unborn, uncreated, unoriginated, uncompounded, there is escape. So this is this is where the mindfulness is the is is the gate. Is the is the path to the deathless. And that's here and now. And this attentiveness, this awareness, and and trusting yourself too pay attention to life, you will realize 
there is this realization of the deathless, the unborn, uncompounded. So in this investigation, in this uh, search, in this journey to the east, <laughs> and the, you keep going till you realize it. It will become very clear. So even doubt and despair, everything that, that you'll feel about this, you know, what are they talking about? Even that, doubt is, shine the light on that. That's, that's a mental state. Doubting, not understanding, that's another mental state. Uh, aversion, that's another mental state. Restlessness is another. And keep, keep, keep lighting up these mental conditions until till uh, you you um, you no longer believe in them you see them in terms of their changiness their flux their movement and then they cease and then there's the ringing silence and there's a there's a uh, a sense of the of, of eternity or deathlessness, no self. And in, so it is a, a realize, it's realized. It's not, you don't acquire it. Not, not that you get it, you realize it, you wake up. And not that word realization I like a lot because it, it's reality. So reality is now. It's not something you, you're going to get next year. It's just a matter of waking up, of paying attention, and breaking down the momentum of habits that you've acquired. Not getting rid of them or suppressing, but, but breaking down the, the illusion, the grasping that we have around them the commitment, the belief to ignorance and, and the illusions of self, of personality, of the distorted perceptions we might have, or the uh, prejudices and all this that, that we might, that we might, uh, that might rise up in us. That we, we're breaking through these illusions through awareness, through wisdom and awareness. So in the in the further, in this is this doesn't just have to do with a with a retreat here in Amavati, but uh, in in your daily life, keep keep trying to contemplate what's happening. Just even if you don't have a lot of time for formal practice, it's always good to take time to see meditation, sitting meditation, or walking meditation, uh, but see it not as a don't make it into a compulsive thing you have to do because most people's lives uh, we get very compulsive and and then then uh, we do it because we feel we have to and we feel guilty or then if we don't do it then we feel guilty if we don't practice and uh, and then it then it we feel burdened and so forth and and then we give up 
but that's that's the thing and that you're you're looking at the process the thing that you're experiencing rather than than holding to a view that you've got to practice so many times a day and and do this and that and and then then uh you know kind of get caught up into that and then and then when you can't do it then you feel uh you know guilty guilt-ridden or you give up all those are mental states that you keep you can keep shining the light on and encourage you know to have some discipline in your life and to sitting practice and anapanasati and, and so forth these are very good things to to develop but see them in terms of something to like more like relaxation like see anapanasati not as something you've got to do but as time to rest and just let go of the world and all the stressful activities just to be with the breath, with the body, the silence. See, it is like a, a, re- a pleasant rest. Like what I used to call it, holiday for the heart. <coughs> but if you start conceiving meditation as a duty, then after a while you won't want to do it because you've got too many other things to do. And meditation is the easy, easy one to put off, isn't it? When, when all the world saying, you know, worldly things are the important. This is the real world. That's the, and it's very intimidating. So I don't have time today to sit. And so that, so that, uh, you know, that's the if we if we start conceiving meditation as, as some, you know, in a worldly way, then then it's one of the things that easily gets gets uh, forgotten or laid aside. So don't don't put it in a worldly context, but see it as, as like eating food or like something you really love to do. To make it you know so that it's something that you relax with, that you feel you know that isn't just another activity that you have to fit into your busy schedule. And and then also if you do you know if you do make it into something you've got to do, really notice that, see that kind of sense of compulsive, uh, making something very compulsive, you've got to do this, or become obsessed with this or that. Shine the light on these kind of mental habits so that you start seeing them and recognizing they're like this, rather than than, uh, indulging them or, or resisting them. So even the, your bad habits, your worldly habits, they're all part of the path. You know, nothing is, nothing is wasted. Uh, your good thoughts, your bad thoughts, it's all developing the path when you're, when you're seeing it with mindfulness wisdom. So that nothing that you think or feel that is an obstruction unless you want to regard it as such and uh, and uh, believe in it as that so that's enough for this evening and uh, tomorrow we can finish off the retreats <laughs>